This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Sebastian Martel, CFO of BRP, makers of CU, CU, and Can-Am products, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leadership Podcast. This is episode 498. Hello, we're attending Perform 2019 Host Analytics Annual Conference, and we're speaking with Israel Escu, CFO of Emissions Monitoring. Israel, as Emissions Monitoring uh, climbs the ranks of middle market companies, uh, it's there's constant change here, and we'd be interested in discovering how your role is changing and how your priorities are changing and let's just look into the future maybe 12 months what would you tell us well jack we're about 340 employees um through the efforts that i have made over the last several years i've kept the finance and accounting team quite small um but in the next 12 months i really need to empower succession uh, as well as do a better job of um documenting how the system is actually built and what things happen. In a, in a relatively small organization leading that, there's a lot of things that I do and that I know that aren't known by others, and I gotta fix that. Um, it's important to, it's important to you know, push out at the frontiers in a, in a company that's growing and not to um, sl- get too slowed down by documenting everything and getting all of your uh, sort of all of your blueprints stored, but um, now it's it's time to sh- you know kind of shore that up. Um, so that involves um, really working with team members in understanding and documenting their own processes. Working with um, in my own time and looking at our systems and saying, okay, how are these systems all all working? If somebody else was to walk in here, would they be able to? Um, to trace the lines here and see what's happening and why it's happening the way it is. So that's that's what I'm working on in the next 12 months. One thing that I've learned over the years that has been incredibly valuable to me and that I wish I had known about earlier is that there will always be in any business one to two people um, down way down in the org chart, people who are absolute rock stars and for whatever reason just haven't gotten the opportunities to thrive. And so I would advise any financial leader, um, and, and this is something, like I said, I had to learn. Um, to go get to know those folks, get to know everyone, take the time to do it. Um, there's nothing more powerful than when you find that rock star and you start enabling them. It's good for the business, it's good for them, and it, it'll make you look really smart. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney, and as you might have heard, we are attending uh, Perform 2019 this week in Las Vegas, and we are happy to say we were able to schedule some time with Host Analytics. This is their conference, after all, uh, but with their CFO, Dan Fletcher. You just heard his voice just before mine. Dan came out of the world of private equity, and in fact, uh, he still has that title, Vice President at Vector Capital which last year acquired uh, Host Analytics. We'll ask Dan about that unique relationship and much more after these words from our sponsor. 
In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu, and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful at planful.com. Hello, we're speaking with Dan Fletcher, CFO of Host Analytics. Dan, welcome. Thanks, Jack. Glad to be here. Thank you for finding uh, some time for us and and some quiet space here at uh, at the conference. We uh, will just begin where we always do, Dan, which is to ask our guests to look back for us and tell us what were those experiences they feel prepared them uh, for a CFO role. What comes to mind for you? Sure. Um, wow. Well, I could boil the ocean on this one. Let me just start a bit with who I am and, and how I ended up here with you today. So I came out of school in 2007. So think about entering the financial profession in uh, you know the very tip of what became the, the Great Recession or the financial crisis. Uh, and so thinking about formative experiences, that certainly comes to mind. Um, you know, I entered in, in 2007 working for PwC on the assurance side, and my clients were predominantly large financial institutions. So right in the belly of the beast, as it were, uh, big banks especially. And so coming into that ecosystem um, and, and understanding very quickly um, the impacts of, of broad economic catastrophe and, and how that ripples through an organization. Um, it, it was extremely enlightening, very challenging at times as a young person, but that, that was certainly shaping in every way. Um, and I, I can elaborate any one of those threads if you'd like. I want to circle back with you on the world of private equity. Tell us something more about that experience, because I think many of our listeners have perhaps uh, advanced through the more traditional roles of a corporate finance function and have sort of an outsider's uh, point of view or perspective on the private equity world and the activities of a private equity professional. What would shed some more light on that for us? Sure. So what I what I fell in love with um, in in my early years in private equity was working with the portfolio companies. So I think a lot of financial professionals look at private equity professionals and think more banker style. So assessing market opportunities, executing transactions, and then pestering companies for data and and better and better performance. Um, uh, there's another side to private equity, which is the operating side, and some firms do it more than others. Um, my firm, my current firm, Vector Capital, has a specific team called the Value Creation Team. And what we do is we work with, in particular, CFOs and CEOs 
across our portfolio to help them in whatever way we can execute on their plans, including providing resources and access to advice that they might not otherwise have. We have a few more uh, career-related questions for you, which we'll get to uh, during our mentoring round. But right now, we want to ask, what was the opportunity? And again, you, you, you mentioned you're still uh, part of Vector Capital, and yet you're the CFO of Host Analytics. What is the opportunity that you saw that attracted you to want to take on this finance leadership role? So as a financial professional myself, I know just how game-changing EPM is. Um, it, it really alters the job. And so if you're anything from an accountant to a financial analyst in a business, all the way up to controller, VP finance, CFO, operating without an EPM tool and operating with one is night and day. It gets you out of Excel, out of the grind, um, out of risk of high risk of error, um, and automates those tasks and frees you up to do what you've always wanted to do. Uh, which is be strategic and be a business partner in the organization that you've chosen to work for. Uh, so really make a difference in strategic and tangible ways other than just reporting the numbers and, and trying to give you give uh, clean data to those customers of that data. And so you asked me, what was the opportunity? Well, understanding that this product has a high, um, absolutely high delivery of value was important to us as we looked across uh, uh, tech in general, which is where Vector invest. And so then you look at the product itself. So we understand this space EPM um, is very important and will continue to grow. It's critical in the tech stack um, and valuable to those using it. So which product do we have an opportunity to invest behind? Um, and, And I won't get into it, but there's been a lot of activity in the space, much of it after we moved in and partnered with Host. But with Host, uh, you know, you don't need to hear it from me. So the analysts, in particular Gartner, has Host ranked very well as a leader in both cloud close and cloud financial planning magic quadrants. So understanding from third parties that this is a product that believe that they believe is a leader was important to us as well. And then the last thing, and obviously we're value investors, so there had to be some reason that we uh, backed Host. The last thing is that Host had traditionally been backed by venture capitalists, um, great group of folks, but you know, no more appetite for investment. And to grow in this space, you absolutely need a treasure chest to spend on R&D and go to market. And so that provided us the opportunity. Let's find out how you look at the business. And again, this being a SaaS company, we're prepared to hear ARR. We're prepared to hear lifetime customer value. What are you going to tell us about the metrics that are top of mind for you each morning? Well, you just nailed two of them. (laughs) Um, And that should be no surprise. So I think the the most interesting metric to me on a day-to-day basis is I love looking at net retention. Um, And you can look at that on a dollar-based net retention. You can look at it in, in percentages. But the question being, you know, for the average dollar of of customer revenue we acquire, how does that grow or diminish over time? And that to me is the customers voting with their money. And so the question is not how do we procure a customer, but how do we uh, sit with that customer a year down the road, three years, five years down the road? And, and that's a metric that I look at um, and, and then go and hold folks accountable for the movements one way or the other. Uh, let's just touch on the customer experience. Obviously, uh, the metrics we've all mentioned here have a lot to do with the customer, but are, are you measuring the customer experience in new and different ways? What, what uh, are you prioritizing differently in some way? Um, so many of the SaaS companies seem to be getting more focused on measuring the experience. What would you share with us? 
So certainly you'll hear folks talk about net promoter score and, and the conversational metrics that they get when they have touch points with the customer. And that's very important. The thing that I have a lot of energy around is, look, we have access to the user data. We can tell you know, if activity is ramping up, tailing off, and, and what modules um, are, are getting a lot of attention from their customers and what aren't. And so that tracks things like user adoption, indeed customer satisfaction. Uh, you know, for example, if we know that a certain customer runs their budget process starting in October and we look at the prior year and there was tons of activity and this year it's tailing off, well, we better get boots on the ground and go talk to them. You know, what's driving this change in behavior? Um, is it new folks? Can we help train those folks? Is it an issue with the product and the, and the implementation, et cetera? Um, so using data to, to assess. When we come back, we'll be asking CFO Dan Fletcher for a finance strategic moment. But right now, we're going to go back to the show floor at Perform 2019 and share some of the top of mind priorities for the FP&A leaders in attendance. We begin now. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney, and we're speaking with Glenn Snyder, Vice President of Corporate FP&A for Digital Realty. Glenn what are your priorities as an FP&A leader over the next 12 months? Well, so Digital Realty is a S&P 500 company that's in 12 different countries. And one of the biggest priorities that we have is to really enhance and grow our thought partnership throughout the world. And that means with all of our internal partners, whether they're in the U.S. or in other countries, whether they're in marketing or sales or operations or finance or IT, is to build that trust with them so that we have a seat at the table when they're making a decision. At the end of the day, that's really what we're shooting for. We provide data and analysis to help people make better decisions. And we want to be there before the decision is made rather than after. Hello, we're speaking with Steve Barrios, Senior Vice President Global FP&A for Prologis. Steve, over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as an FP&A leader? So to give some context for Prologis, Prologis is the world's leading global industrial owner, operator, developer, and acquirer. Uh, so warehouses, our biggest tenant is Amazon. Um, so you might see our warehouses around the, around the globe. Uh, as a leader in FP&A, what I want to do is put the A back in FP&A. I want to get out of the world of reporting what happened. I want to get out of the, uh, the world of telling people the past. I want to look to the future. I want to tell my executive team what trends we should be watching out for, look around the corners, use the data that we are generating out of host and the platform, to be able to um, educate not only my team, but also management as to items that we should be on the watch for and where things are going. Okay, well, one of our signature questions is to ask finance leaders for a finance strategic moment. This may have been on your uh, tour duty, although it hasn't been all that long with host, or it... Uh, may have come earlier in your career uh, as you uh, climb the ranks inside private equity. What would you tell us uh, uh, if uh, I asked for a finance strategic moment? Again, this is where your lines of sight into the organization as a finance executive allowed you to see an opportunity or a risk, whatever it may have been. What comes to mind? 
Big question, Jack. Uh, so I think I'll actually dive into my consulting years. So for four and a half years, I was a management consultant with Alvarez and Marsal in between private equity stints. This is where I really became an operator, especially in the finance perspective. And, uh, you know, strategic moment, that's that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different folks. I think of making a big splash across the org and actually influencing the the path forward as as all being table stakes for strategic moment labeling. Um, in in this case, I think of the work we did at about a three billion dollar uh, building products uh, wholesaler. And what we did there is we looked said, look, this is a massive business, global ops. You know, not to get too wonky, but thirty thousand SKUs. Um, this must be ripe for opportunity to rationalize those SKUs and find out where we're making money, where we're not. So we built a contribution margin model, and I can tell you that was about six to eight weeks in Excel, wrangling massive volumes of data. But the ultimate result was we reduced SKUs by about a third and increased gross margins over the next 12 months by about 23, 25%. Um, and when I talk about why that's strategic, well, uh, it changed the way the company does business, uh, including cutting, you know, firing some customers who were customers of the those SKUs that were then uh, retired. And and on, on the execution side, I mean, it takes a village to, to roll out something that big to a global org. And so it was really about partnering with the executives and then all the operating folks to get it done. We will return in roughly 30 seconds after our sponsor's message. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Uh, we're going to move to our mentoring round where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to advise and inform future finance leaders. Uh, what is it that's exciting you about finance and business today? Well, it dovetails very nicely with what Host Analytics does. And so it's the idea that finance folks have always had one hand tied behind their back while they wrangled data, tried to uh, clean it, consolidate it, and get it put together, and then stand by it. Um, and that left very little time for them to, one, draw the conclusions and be strategic using that data, and two, actually run the business. So in my mind, the most exciting thing about finance is these are highly skilled folks who, when they go out and partner with marketing, when they go out and partner with product, they can do really great things. <laughs> now, you, you haven't been, again, you're, you're a, a newbie when it comes to the CFO role relative to uh, many others. Uh, to ask you, what is that piece of advice you wish someone had given you before you stepped into the role? Does anything come to mind? <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, at maybe not necessarily this role. But so first of all, you know, um, uh, obviously there are a ton of things that I wish folks had told me. Um, you know, you have to have the humility to recognize that. One thing that I've learned over the years that has been incredibly valuable to me and that I wish I had known about earlier is that there will always be in any business one to two people um, down, way down in the org chart. 
I'm talking analysts, um, you know, and that, that could be with tons of experience. It could be with very little, but there will always be one or two people who are absolute rock stars and for whatever reason, just haven't gotten the opportunities to thrive. And so I would advise any financial leader. Um, and, and this is something, like I said, I had to learn, um, to go get to know those folks, get to know everyone, take the time to do it. Um, there's nothing more powerful than when you find that rock star and you start enabling them. It's good for the business. It's good for them. And it, it'll make you look really smart. Uh, we always like to ask if our finance leaders have a book they'd like to recommend. Anything come to mind? Well, one I love, uh, I assume assume this is not like Game of Thrones. This is it could uh, be. business. Entirely your call. <laughs> um, good to great. Uh, obviously, uh, you, you will have heard of that by Collins. You know, just the idea that someone took a really open, wide-eyed look at what companies did to win and what they didn't do to win or what they did that ended up causing them to lose. So I thought it was a unique perspective. Um, you know, it's always great to, to get the, biz, the actual case study, the anecdotal um, evidence of, of a thesis, and he really walks you through it all. So good book and worth a read. Interesting choice uh, and a popular choice among finance leaders, good to great, as well as uh, Collins's earlier book, uh, Built to Last. Uh, the rap that Silicon Valley companies get sometime is that it's not about built to last. It's about built to flip. In private equity, venture capital are both subject to this similar criticism at times. And that too many companies are being built uh, with growth and just flipping in mind. What do, what do you think of what I just shared? Uh, how do you make sure that uh, the growth mindset at host doesn't take on sort of these negative aspects that so often plague uh, companies that prioritize for growth and scale. Sure. So my thoughts on the, on the, on the concept are that it's very fair. And I think we've seen some companies that have failed catastrophically that would fit into that category. I think Host is definitely not that type of business. Um, certainly has been around since 2001, has customers who've been with us for a decade or longer. Um, and I'll get into why. But what I think I would, I would do is I would step back and say, look, I think the way you avoid that is you need to have a very strong connection and grasp on what value your customer is getting. Um, and where I learned that is is actually back in private equity, for a while, the for-profit education sector was very hot. Um, and the reality is that sector has struggled because the value delivered was nowhere near the initial perceived value. And so it needs to be, you, it gets back to voice of the customer. You need to go to the customers. If you want to know whether a company is built to flip or built to last, go to the customers and say, how valuable is this product to you? Yeah, I think that's how you get there. Can I ask, because we've talked about the customer and uh, we've talked about uh, somewhat uh, an investor, <laughs> um, uh, what about the workforce and the team members uh, as a part of the company? Um, the finance leader's responsibility and how it goes about prioritizing in terms of talent. Is there anything you can share with that before I jump to our final question? Sorry, I threw a few extra here. Sure. Um, so I think what you're getting at is culture. Uh, and, and look, you obviously want to have a high performance culture and need to put in the structure to reward those 
who, who rise up to that challenge. But I think it really gets back to investing. I think you can get out of your team what you give in, you know, not to be too squishy and, and warm and fuzzy here, but it really takes the leader investing in their team in terms of education, in terms of touch points, not sitting in their ivory tower and letting them know that everyone's value um, and everyone's ideas are heard and, and everyone's con- contributions valued. And host has that culture. Uh, over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader? Well, so Vector Capital acquired host analytics right at the end of, of 18. And so executing 19 and the plan that we laid forth is, is top of mind, uh, which is really two things, two-pronged approach. Uh, invest in the product and continue to hit those roadmap milestones and then invest in the grow-to-market to get it out there to uh, the people who can benefit from it. Dan Fletcher, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thanks very much, Jack. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.